Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hey, faithful listener, good morning. Thanks for tuning into the Bible Explained podcast and for sharing a cup of coffee with me as we begin today's episode. And today's episode is going to be kind of hard, I think, for a lot of people to hear, because I'm going to be talking about something that uh, is not really talked about very often and might even be considered offensive. But I think it needs to be said. But let's go ahead and read Luke chapter 13. 22 through 35. Grab your Bible and your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. Let's jump in. He went on his way through the cities and the villages, teaching and traveling on to Jerusalem. One said to him, Lord, are they few who are saved? He said to them, strive to enter in by the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us, then he will answer and tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in God's kingdom and yourselves being thrown outside. They will come from the east, west, north, and south and will sit down in God's kingdom. Behold, there are some who are last who will be first, and there are some who are first who will be last. On that same day, some Pharisees came saying to him, get out of here and go away for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I complete my mission. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the next day, for it can't be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together like a hen that gathers her own brood under her wings, and you refused. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Have you guys ever heard that Johnny Cash song, uh, When the Man Comes Around? One of the passages from that Johnny Cash song, because that entire song pretty much is scripture, but one of the passages <laughs> that I've laughed at in the past is when Johnny Cash, he, I think it's the second verse, he says something like, uh, Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom, then the father hen will call his chickens home. <laughs> the wise men will bow down before the throne, and at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns when the man comes around. And it's talking about when Jesus comes back to earth. It's all scriptural. It, it's a good song, but I laugh at the part where it says the father hen will call his chickens home <laughs> because a hen is a girl. <laughs> I've laughed at that from the beginning since I've heard that song. And like it, like I said, I like the song, but every time I hear that line, it just, it makes me crack up because a hen is a girl. But Johnny Cash is referring to right here in verse 34, what I just read, how I often I've wanted to gather your children together like a hen gathers her own brood under her wings and you refused. So Jesus is saying that he desperately wanted 
the children of Israel to be gathered together under him, but they are refusing. And we see that. We, we've been going through the book of Numbers, right? I mean, we just talked about the other day how the, the people refused to enter into the promised land that God was going to give them. How they refuse to be God's children. They just don't want it. They want to go back to their slavery ways back in Egypt and all that stuff. And so Jesus is almost reiterating that saying, I want the people to to be near, to be under me. And they refuse. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about what this entire passage is saying here. It says in verse 22 that Jesus is continuing on towards Jerusalem. He just wants to go to that end goal which is Jerusalem. He wants to get there. We've seen that Jesus has been traveling this entire time, pretty much since like Luke chapter eight, I think it was. So Jesus has taken a while to get to Jerusalem, but he's getting there because he's getting close to dying soon. And he needs to go to Jerusalem in order to accomplish his mission. And along the way, he's teaching, he's preaching, he's going into cities, healing. So he's taking a while, but he is making his way to Jerusalem. So one guy or one person, we don't know who it is, says to Jesus, Lord, are they few who are saved? So he's asking if all Israelites are able to go into heaven, like some believed, or if few Israelites were able to get into heaven. He's asking how many people are going to be saved, Jesus. So Jesus, once again, does not directly answer the question. Rather, he says, Strive to enter in by the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. So basically he's answering the guy's question by saying people need to strive to enter into the narrow door. And when Jesus says this, this this does not mean that you have to do good works to get into heaven. Rather, you have to accept Jesus and accept Jesus's words and accept the Holy Spirit. You just have to do it. That is how you're going to enter through the narrow gate because Jesus calls himself the gate. We will see that in John. I think it was John chapter 10 that Jesus calls himself the gate. I am the gate. So entering in through the narrow gate, in other words, Jesus, I mean, Jesus is the only way that we can get into heaven. I do not believe that there are many paths to heaven. That is something that is debated. That is something that even Christ, so supposedly Christian churches have said in the past, that there are many ways to heaven. There are many ways to the Father. But scripture here is very clear that there is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus, through the gate. Like I said, Jesus calls himself the gate. There is only one gate that leads to heaven, and that is through Jesus. We cannot be listening to all this stuff that other people try to tell us. Oh, there's many paths to heaven. Well, tell me in scripture where it says that there are many paths to heaven. I'll wait because you won't find one. (laughs) I mean, what's it say literally right here in Luke chapter 13? He said to him, strive to enter in by the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. So these are all the people that are like, oh, there's many paths to heaven. They're seeking for the narrow gate. They're not finding it because they're not reading their scripture. They're listening to what the world tells them to do of how they can get into heaven and how they have to do all this and donate to this organization and do whatever. And yet they're not reading their scripture that there is one path to heaven and one path only. And that is through Jesus. So don't listen to all this gobbledygook crap out there that says that there are many paths to heaven because there is not. 
Strive to enter in by the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. So why else would people not be able to enter in through the narrow door? Not just because they believe the garbage that there are many paths to heaven, but also because they believe that they don't need a savior. They believe that what they're doing is good enough. So they use their religion, their finances, their good works, their whatever else to say, oh, I'm a good person. Whatever I do is good enough. I'll get into heaven. Like I'm just a good, happy person and I'm joyful and I do good things for other people. So I don't need a savior. And maybe they don't even recognize that they think they don't need a savior, which is very possible. But they absolutely need a savior, but they don't recognize their need for a savior. So that's the first and foremost thing that we as Christians have to teach people is that they do, in fact, need a savior. I mean, what did Jesus do all throughout his ministry? Literally spreading the gospel, spreading that exact message that people need a savior. What did he say after uh, John the Baptist went to prison? He continued John the Baptist's message by saying, repent now for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, repent, repent. You need a savior. You need a savior. You need a savior. And then he was telling the Pharisees, you need a savior. You think you don't, but you absolutely need a savior. Then he was telling these, uh, this crowd right here and right now how they need a savior. There's only one door that they can enter through, and that is through the savior of the world, which is Jesus. And unfortunately, it's very hard to get people to understand their need for, the, for a savior. It just is. We get blinded by the good stuff that we do. I mean, I often do too. I was listening to, my, to the message on uh, Sunday at my church. We had a guest speaker coming in and he was talking about the prodigal son, but he didn't just go into the prodigal son story. If you guys remember the story, there was also another brother that had stayed at home by his father's side. But this guest speaker at the church argued that this brother who stayed at home was just as lost as the prodigal son. But instead, this brother who stayed home was using his religion to make himself lost, using the good things he had done and how he had served the father and and everything else. But yet he was just as lost as the brother. So, yes, we can absolutely use our religion and the good things that we do to blind us to the fact that we need a savior. But the fact is, it it teaches us in scripture that all of us fall short. It doesn't matter how much good things that you do or that anybody does or that I do. It doesn't matter. We all fall short. The definition of sin is literally to miss the mark. It's literally to fall short. All of us have missed the mark. Because we were born into a world of sin. In our childhood, we were sinners. All of us need a savior in order to get into heaven. All of us do. That is why the Bible teaches us that all of our supposedly good works are about the same as filthy rags. And if you look at the Hebrew of the word filthy rags, it's actually menstrual rags. Like, no joke, that's what scripture says. All of your good works that you're doing are on the same level as a menstrual rag. (laughs) Disgusting picture, but it makes a very clear point that all of us fall short. 
none of us can get into heaven on our on our own. We got to strive, seek to enter in. And that's the other thing about this. This here, strive to enter in by the narrow door. That's not talking about good works. That's talking about seeking Jesus. That's what it says. Seek to enter in. Seek Jesus. That is how you do it. No amount of good works is going to get you through that narrow door. You got to seek Jesus. That's the only way you're getting in through that narrow door. But continuing on, it says that when the master of the house rises up, all of a sudden it's going to be too late. The people who have not entered through that narrow gate are no longer going to be able to enter in because God is going to shut that door. And I believe that is at the end when Jesus comes back again. That door is shut. No one else can enter in. It's over. It's done. And it says in scripture that Jesus is going to come as quickly as a thief comes in the night or as quickly as a blink of an eye. That is how fast Jesus is going to come. And he's going to possibly take some of us by surprise. And then it'll be too late. So we got to seek Jesus now while we still can. And so then these people who were trapped on the outside of the door are going to pound on the door. Lord, Lord, open up to us. And he's going to answer and say, I don't know you or where you came from. Then they're going to begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. So these people, what's interesting about this, these people knew at least a little bit about Jesus. They knew, they heard, but they didn't think that they needed to seek him right away. They didn't feel the urgency. And that's very sad. That's a very, very sad story. And this is where I'm going to get a little offensive, I think. How many people that we know that are going to church who say that they're Christians are not actually entering through that narrow gate? That's a very sad thing to think about because it might be our friends and our family members that are going to church with us that very well may be not entering through that narrow gate, even though they say that they are. For example, I mean, these people right here in verse 26, we ate and drank in your presence. That's the people that are coming to church, sharing in communion, eating and drinking with the fellowship. You know, our, our church has had a fellowship meeting on a Sunday. You know, that, that's the people that God is talking about here. The people that are going to church, eating and drinking in Jesus's presence. And they recognize Jesus's message because here's what it says. You taught in our streets. They heard the message of Jesus, yet they didn't go through that narrow gate. Friends, this is urgent stuff. I feel a, a, a really strong urgency right now to just tell people, don't wait any longer. If you understand the message about Jesus, if you've been hearing it, stop waiting around and just start living it. Because it's not enough to just hear it and go to church every single Sunday and do nothing with it. You got to live it. You got to believe it. You got to enter through that narrow door. You got to seek Jesus. Not just hear about him once in a while. Not just go to church to check a box off. You got to seek Jesus. Because Jesus says right here, the only way you're going to get through that narrow gate is if you're seeking Jesus. If you understand and recognize your need for a savior. So yes, this is urgent, 
urgent, urgent, because Jesus is coming sooner. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus went up into heaven. And for us to say that he's not coming soon is ridiculous. I mean, it's been 2,000 years. (laughs) He's coming soon. I don't know how soon. It might not be in our lifetimes. It might be. But he's still going to come soon. And that's not even the other, the, the entire side of the story. You could, we already talked about this last week. You could die tomorrow. As morbid as that sounds, it's true. We don't know when we're going to die. We don't know. So instead of just sitting around and being like, oh, we've got plenty of years until we die or until Jesus comes back. Well, maybe you don't. How, how do you know? How do you know the future? So you got to start seeking Jesus now. And even though you're going to church and I may not know your story, I ask you to think about, are you seeking Jesus or are you just listening? Are you just eating and drinking in Jesus's presence, listening to his message, but not going through, not taking that step through the narrow gate? I ask you to think about that. So then Jesus says here, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in God's kingdom, and yourselves being thrown outside. That's a harsh message, but it's a true message. This is truth, what Jesus is stating here. This is truth. It might be hard to hear, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. So we got to feel this urgency of seeking Jesus And not just seeking him ourselves, but telling other people this message as well. But then Jesus gives a little bit of hope here. He says, they're going to come from the east, west, north, and south, and they're going to sit down in God's kingdom. So there's going to be a lot of people up in heaven. There's going to be people from all sorts of different denominations of churches, all sorts of different races and nationalities and and whatever else. There's going to be a huge multitude sitting down with Jesus and enjoying food with him. And then here, verse 30, there are some who are last who will be first, and there are some who are first who will be last. Here on earth, I mean, we can attain so much status. We can do all this stuff and and be in the public eye. But Jesus says that doesn't necessarily matter in heaven. In fact, it doesn't matter at all in heaven. (laughs) What matters is what you did with that. Some who are first are going to be last, and some who are last are going to be first. So then verse 31 through 35, I'm, I'm going to talk about this real quick. It just talks about how some Pharisees actually came to Jesus, warning him to go away. <laughs> and not because they didn't like Jesus. This actually proves right here that there were some Pharisees that liked Jesus. And we do see on occasion some Pharisees sticking up for Jesus, some inviting them into their homes. There was a, a Pharisee that uh, was named Joseph of Arimathea. I believe he was a Pharisee that actually took Jesus's body from the cross and buried it. So yeah, there was a handful of Pharisees that actually liked Jesus. So they were actually warning Jesus to go away because Herod, that king, wanted to kill Jesus. So the Pharisees are like, Jesus, go away, get to another area because you're going to die if you stay here because Herod has, has it out for you. So then Jesus says, go and tell that fox. And if uh, you go back to the Greek on that, which he's talking to King Herod here, a fox was not only sly, but it was considered to be like the worst of animals, like very destructive. <laughs> So Jesus was calling this king a fox 
He's like, go and tell that fox. I cast out demon demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day until I complete my mission. So he's basically like, you're not going to scare me off, you fox. Like, I'm going to do the good work that I was supposed to do. But then here, Jesus is really snarky and it's kind of funny. So he says, I must go my way today and tomorrow and the next day for it can't be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. <laughs> so he's he's being snarky because he's saying Jerusalem kills its prophets. So what kind of a prophet would I be if I died outside of Jerusalem? I got to die inside Jerusalem where all the prophets are killed. <laughs> so then he... He was snarky there, but then he he lifts up this, you know, woe to Jerusalem. Like, how sad this is. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. So he's like almost crying here over Jerusalem, how he's going to die in Jerusalem. Because don't forget, he's pressing on towards Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem. Jesus has a mission. He knows what he's going to do. And so then Jesus says, how often I want to gather your children together like a hen gathers her own brood under her, under her wings and how you refused your house is left to you desolate. And that's kind of how Jesus ends it is that Jerusalem, what a sad thing that they kill the people, the prophets that were sent to them. And Jesus here is no exception and he's going to Jerusalem to die. All right, guys. Well, this was Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 35. We talked about how uh, there's some urgency, how we got to spread the gospel, how we have to believe it ourselves because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. So we got to do it now. There's urgency. So if you guys were convicted by this, if you think other people will be convicted by this message today, then I ask that you share it on your social media platforms. Tell people that this podcast exists. Share this episode to anybody who you think might need it. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, I've got some books out. I've got one called Out of the Mire, which is a eight-week devotional on the life of Joseph. It's one of my favorite books I've ever written. And I also have the live coloring devotionals, which is a mommy and me set. And obviously they're coloring pictures for you and your child to do together with some devotionals in there. So those are available on Amazon, but I'm just excited to announce that I am starting another devotional. And this one is a devotional for teen girls. And this was going to be an Advent devotional. So I'm gonna show you guys a sneak peek of the cover of that particular devotional in a couple weeks. I'm still working on it, but I'm, I'm so excited about it. But I'll show you guys that on Facebook. So follow P40 Ministries on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash P40 Ministries. And I'll see you guys over there. But you know what? Have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless. Ooh.